Welcome to the Revolutionaries of Wellbeing podcast. I'm founder and host, Sarah McGuinness. The Revolutionaries of Wellbeing, or ROW, is a community of wellbeing managers from organizations around the globe. At ROW, we develop you as a wellbeing leader, giving you a powerful support network, professional development, and workplace wellbeing solutions so that you can focus on giving your employees the right support at the right time. To be stronger, better, and faster at improving wellbeing in your workplace, professional development is key. These discussions on workplace wellbeing are designed to inspire, share ideas, and raise awareness of important issues we can all take action on. The interviews are recorded as part of our monthly Wellbeing Wednesday webinars. In this interview, we take a look at a workplace wellbeing case study. Our guest is Nikki Primrose, health, safety, and wellbeing business partner at Mitre 10. Mitre 10 has been a part of New Zealand's home improvement culture since 1974. It is New Zealand owned and operated and is New Zealand's largest home improvement and garden retailer. As a cooperative spread from Kaitaia to Invercargill, Mitre 10 is committed to the well-being of its team of over 5,000 people. Of course, recent events with COVID-19 have meant the operations support team has needed to come up with new and innovative ways to support their people, manage risk, and sustain the business. Nikki shares the Mitre 10 wellbeing journey, including insights, lessons learned, and what's ahead for the community-minded business. I started with Mitre 10 about five years ago, and I actually started with them as a facilities manager. So it was called group services back then. So I actually looked after so much stuff for the support centre. So the support centre is based in Albany, and it's we've got about 300 350 people in there. So I looked after initially the health and safety for the support centre. So I was chair of the health and safety committee and looked after everything like that. Did all the travel for the business, travelling for our support centre people travelling out to stores because we have business systems trainers and business development managers and all that sort of thing. So travel for them, all the company vehicles and also some pool cars that we have at the support centre, mobile phones for everyone. Um, all the supplies for the support centre, so bathroom supplies, kitchen supplies, stationery, all of that sort of stuff. So it was quite a big role and also running the um, front reception team as well. But a huge component of that role is facilities manager. So you've got all the BMS, all the access control and security cameras and all that sort of stuff as well. But a huge part of that was health and safety with contractor management driver training and all sorts of things like that. So I got shoulder tapped a couple of years ago to move into a more health and safety focused role and move to supporting stores instead of just a a support centre. So yeah, from there I've now become health, safety and wellbeing business partner and I'm also the wellbeing lead for the support centre and the network of stores as well. So quite a big shift in a few years. It sounds like a huge, a huge shift in a few years. Uh, So tell me, when you first moved into this role, what was the wellbeing program at Mitre 10 like when you started? There wasn't really a wellbeing program as such. They'd always sort of run a few wellbeing initiatives, but sort of things like flu vaccinations and team lunches and things sort of came under an umbrella more around work perks than actual wellbeing or wellbeing program. Yeah, and I guess because of our structure as well at Mitre 10, we're a cooperative, not a corporate. So all our stores are individually owned and operated. So I lead the wellbeing for our support centre, but I can only offer guidance and support the stores. I can't actually tell them what they have to do. 
and it's, so it's largely up to the store owners or operators to implement and manage the well-being in these stores. And I'm just actually on that point. That must be an interesting challenge. Oh, is there a bit of interference there. <laughs> interesting challenge around influencing when they don't, you know, they don't necessarily report. It's an owner-operator model. So how do you influence well-being in that kind of environment? challenging <laughs> some owners are fantastic and really really receptive to any sort of support and guidance and things like that and on the other hand you've got business owners who are like it's my business and I'll do it my way so yeah you just have to be really just really calm and open and honest about things with them and just accepting if they don't want your help there's not a lot you can really do about it but yeah I just still just always offer the guidance always offer the support they have access to our um intranet we have a SharePoint page with well-being so there's I always post lots of resources and information and always direct people there so I just keep plugging away. And do you, do you find that changes over time do you find there are some who, who were less engaged and now are more engaged? Definitely and because I do health and safety as well as the well-being quite often I'll have to help them with a health and safety issue and then that actually gives me a bit of kudos and I can weave them back into collecting well-being along the way as well. Fantastic. So it sounds like you have to be a little bit kind of careful or, or strategic maybe around how you approach it with some people. Definitely, yeah. 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 You just have to, I think, uh, that relationships and reading personalities and things as well. Yeah, just critical. And so what have some been the, the big drivers? I mean, what, what drove the, the change to well-being or the, the implementation of a well-being program? And then how have those drivers changed over time? I We'll probably say the, one of the biggest changes um, and drivers of change has been um, in leadership, some changes in leadership and in leadership values. So we um, now we have an amazing chief of people and transformation officer, Anna Campbell, and she has got a genuine um, desire to help people and create a healthy, safe and irresistible workplace. And that is like her biggest focus. So well-being on the back of people is just perfect <laughs> so that I think that's really given us a real big boost to push well-being and she instigated giving us budget because we didn't have a lot of money for well-being either we just sort of went ad hoc you know putting money here and there whereas we have a dedicated well-being budget now as well and I think the other biggest change would have to be COVID it has really brought well-being to the forefront and just made businesses realize how important people and their well-being actually actually is and I think for us on the back of COVID we in at the end of 2020 the board of directors gave us permission to run a nationwide well-being initiative so that's never really been done before so you'll see like some of the big companies um, you know the warehouse group and things like that have get in with domestic violence and things like that so we want to run a nationwide well-being initiative but we don't really know what what to do we kind of want to do something different and you know something that's going to make a real societal impact not just for our own team but for the wider communities as well so we've put together a well-being survey and that went out across the whole network of um, stores so we've just had that data being sent off at the survey closed at the end of March and the data is now with some analysts who are going to work their magic for us and send us a whizzy report back <laughs> and hopefully that will throw up a wellbeing initiative that we can really focus on as a nationwide brand but even at the moment with the preliminary results two of the biggest things that are standing out are mental health 
and that is around depression, anxiety and stress. And the other one is workload and responsibilities. So those are the two biggest concerns and challenges that the whole network is is facing at the moment. So it'd be fantastic to try and target a wellbeing initiative that will help with those things. That's fantastic. And actually, there's a couple of things I want to pull out from what you've said. I'd love to go back to when COVID kind of first hit for Mitre 10. And, you know, as a retail business, that would have hit really hard because, you know, you are a store where people come in, there's lots of interaction between people. What were some of those initial things that you did to support your people through that? So, yeah, that was really hard because obviously our whole business model had to change because we had an online offer, but it was very minimal. So, that was a whole switch to we had people working day and night programming and working on e-commerce sites and things like that to get up to a level where there are enough products online that people could actually click, put them in their cart and then organise the whole click and collect thing because without people being able to visit sites, they had to use turn drive-throughs into like a click and collect station and things like that. There was, yeah, major changes. <laughs> so, and that was... Um, so I guess the online platforms of Teams for us, we use Microsoft. So Teams, there was a lot of connection going on between team members and lots of checking in and making sure everyone was okay like that. And just offering, making sure that people had access to um, EAP providers and things like that. So they had someone to talk to and that they were all being checked in regularly. It was actually, I guess it was really hard hard to look after people as well because you've got so many that are used to coming into a store during the day to work and then suddenly you don't actually need all those people so without trying to you know even for support center um, where we have like I said over 300 people we didn't want to anyone to have to lose their jobs and things like that so we did have to we lost a few contractors and a few people on fixed term agreements but for the rest of us they sent out an email and just said we don't want to lose anyone. We want to continue to pay you, you know, your normal wages and things like that. What we need from you is we have a high bank of leave that needed to be used up as a liability. So they asked us, you know, to take a little bit of leave each and try and work through that. So, yeah, they tried to look after us as best as they could. And they did a really good job. And even after COVID, it wasn't a bigger hit on the business as what they originally thought it was going to be either so even some of those contractors and fixed term people that did get let go initially actually got re-employed back again because home improvement as a business after everyone sat at home looking at their four walls (laughs) actually increased and we ended up with a very different problem and that the turnover for our stores after COVID has gone up at least 30% so now we're on the flip side of that where we've now got team members who are really tired and fatigued because they've got additional product and everything coming into stores and having to deal with that and manage that and working even harder yet we didn't know if that was going to be a permanent thing or if this is just a temporary thing after COVID so stores were a little bit hesitant to recruit new staff permanently in case it was just a phase so yeah a lot of change, <laughs> a lot of pivoting, yeah. Yeah, and in our early conversation, you were saying some of some of the teams, like the IT team, obviously, you know, the amount of workload on them in that transition was huge. Yeah, absolutely enormous. Yeah, couldn't even comprehend what, what they changed. I think the percentage of online sales grew by 4,000%. So 
that sort of gives you some sort of idea. I can't remember off the top of my head the numbers of, you know, products that were online originally to what they managed to get loaded and get up online. And also, like, it's such a a massive thing. Like, it goes all the way back to having to employ um, and negotiate contracts with a courier company because before we never had to really, you know, courier out goods from store or anything you know we had our own little delivery guys that would do a few things but this was now on a completely different scale so we had to yeah set up a contract with courier post and put all those things in place as well so yeah huge changes all around and yeah, yeah. and how much do you think is uh, sort of coming back to that mental health and and workload piece how much do you think it has has that because of the, of the changes through COVID and how much do you think is just general society and the way that we work and live now yeah a a combination of both definitely and I think for like our IT team it's also that piece of for people leaders as well just recognizing I think that's another piece of what we're currently doing at the moment they're piloting a program to help managers recognize when their team are actually under a lot of pressure and aren't doing so well because some people have been put into a management sort of position because of their technical skills, not really because of their people skills. So we actually have identified a little bit of a gap there. So we actually got a pilot program um, being built at the moment to try and help with people leaders so they can actually manage that well-being piece around workload, which obviously is one of the things that was also identified through that well-being survey. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's quite crucial is that that leadership support for wellbeing and, and, and how are you finding that at Mudge? It sounds like it has been you know, a, a real push recently. Has it been something you've had all the way through or has that grown and changed? No, that's definitely grown and changed through COVID as well. And I think the research that's available out there now and it's been like through platforms like LinkedIn. So our leaders in the business are seeing that as well. It's not just having to come from health and safety professionals. It's coming from all directions. Everywhere you look, there's research showing the impact on people and the need to look after our people. Yeah. And and that certainly helps, doesn't it? Because sometimes it can be hard in terms of the influencing leaders, if it's coming from one source, that does make it more challenging. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then I want to come back to this community initiative you're talking about, because that sounds really fascinating. So tell me what what sort of sat behind it in terms of the driver of, of wanting to do that? Really, it's actually Anna Campbell who's <laughs> she's come in and she's just got this real vision to make a difference and make a big difference. So she, I think one of our really early conversations was, I really want, I want you to run a wellbeing initiative and I want it to be massive and I want it to have a societal impact. And we were like, wow, that's amazing, fantastic, let's do it. What are we going to do? And then we've actually been stuck on the what are we going to do because it's we obviously want to make a massive difference, but what is it that our people actually need? It's all very well us trying to make a decision and say, oh, it'll be, be fun to do this, it'll be good to do that, but what's actually going to make a real meaningful difference out there? And that was why we ended up taking a step back and going, okay, let's survey our people, let's find out what really is going to be a key driver and it's going to have a really great change and let's focus on that. So, yeah, that's how we – and I still don't actually know what that's going to be, but it's looking like absolutely something around mental health and something it has got to tie in, I think, workload and pressures and responsibilities, I think, has to also come into that as well. Mm, be a key part of it. And, yeah. I, 
Yeah, and I imagine having that data will make a big difference. And so just talk me through that. What are some of the measures and the metrics that you look at at MitoTen in terms of well-being and, and reviewing the success perhaps of some of the initiatives? I think that's one of the hardest things to measure in any business is well-being results. All we can go by is the uptake of different well-being initiatives and the feedback that you get from them. We run an annual engagement survey which does have some well-being questions in there. But I think a lot of business people and a lot of well-being people out there really do struggle to actually get some data behind them to actually try and pitch for new initiatives and get funding. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the hardest things that we have to work with and face yeah. yeah. And so would you say in the engagement survey is perhaps the sort of the, the most important measure that you use or are there sort of a combination of other things you use to pick up? I think it's trends? one of the, at the moment is one of the most important because it is actually data, like real data, whereas like your feedback after initiatives, it's just, you don't get everyone's feedback. It's not like you can, like we don't send out like a pulse survey after each one and gather that in. It's really sort of ad hoc feedback and things. So, yeah, the engagement survey, you've definitely got that written data that you can use. But, um, again, it's only once a year. So it's like a snapshot in time. So, yeah, I know I've been working with the lovely ladies at Channel who have got an app that collects so much data (laughs) and would be amazing. But, yeah, that's also quite a big initiative to try and get over the line. But I definitely think that that's worth a look at if you can can get that because yeah the data that their app can generate is fantastic it's awesome and it's having that real-time data isn't it that often gives you you know compared to the snapshots each year yeah yeah that their i know their channel app is just constant flow of data and metrics and you can do dashboarding and all sorts of things yeah awesome. that's awesome so just thinking about that you know over time how that's grown and changed how much have you had a, a strategy set under that that has say like you know five pillars or you know four three key I don't know, goals uh, and how much of it has it been you know responding to just in time as things have come up we have we have a well-being program called feel well and the feel actually stands for flourish engage encourage and learn and it's quite runs a similar um, theme to the five ways of well-being that the Mental Health Foundation have put together. So whenever we do our well-being initiatives and our planning for the year, we try and make sure that we cover those four things through the program as well. So yeah, definitely got some thought and some planning into that and do try and link it to make it worthwhile and cover various aspects of well-being in the business. Also the you know, the cultural piece and the diversity and inclusion, try and run initiatives that tie everyone in and that cater for everyone's different cultural beliefs and um, things that they like to celebrate as well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you phrased it because I was thinking across 5,000 people, you must have, you know, such a variety of, of issues and challenges and opportunities. How do you prioritise those and how do you make sure that, that, you know, in terms of the touch points that everyone has something they can engage in? I think one of the fun things that we do is team lunches and we try and theme them around things that are going on. Like we do, we've celebrated this year, for example, a Chinese New Year in February. So we did a, a team lunch for that, but we also did, we ran a raffle. We're very lucky to obviously have a lot of product in our business and we get samples and things like that. So we can put together some pretty amazing prizes for a raffle and did, you had to put your $5 for your raffle ticket into a little red 
envelope, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, which is like um, the red envelope in for Chinese and other cultures is a symbol of um, good luck and prosperity. So in our reception, it was all decked out with paper lanterns and things, and you pinned your envelope, pinned your envelope up on a little string so people could see how many envelopes were being gathered there. And the money actually went to a charity, Belong Aotearoa, who helped migrants settle into New Zealand when they first moved here. So it was celebrating a Chinese cultural thing, but also giving back to a charity that supports all different cultures when they arrive in New Zealand. And this year, for the first time, we actually did a big celebration for Pride, which is, again, hasn't hasn't been a huge event over the over the years but it's just now I think the change in diversity and inclusion and just all walks of life that um, we have throughout the business we had big rainbow balloon garlands up and streamers and things like that and did a team lunch for them as well and it was just a really cool awareness piece some people had never even heard of pride and it was just a really, really cool way to support our community of LGBTQ people that we actually, we do have. Yeah, wonderful. And I can imagine that would have been really engaging because it's so visual and it's and it's, it was really it's, fun. And yeah. people said, yeah, when and when we when you decorate your workplace like that, people, yeah, they do feel a sense, a positive vibe going on, and yeah, really get behind it. It's good fun. It's awesome. And, and so when you're rolling out something like that, in fact, that's almost a perfect example. How much do you rely on, on champions in the business or leaders or you know, how do you kind of disseminate that across uh, all of your stores when there are so many of them? So it's harder with the stores because, again, like I said to you, I can't tell them what they can and can't do. But through the stores and things, they have champions. We call them culture champs. So they are there to help with run events like things like that and gather support for them and things like that. So, yeah, there's definitely a network of people that get in behind all those initiatives and really drive them through the business. That's awesome. And how did you recruit them? Is it, was that a volunteer thing or that were shoulder tapped? Yeah, it's mostly a volunteer thing, but we try and make sure there's representatives from every sort of department so that you get a really good everyone's got someone that they can go to because they can also go to that person and make suggestions that will come back to a, you know, a committee where they'll talk about it and decide what to do. Yeah, fantastic. And I, yeah, I can really see how, especially as you say, when you've got such a large organisation and so much diversity, having those voices from the floor and kind of sharing what's happening and, and some opportunities would also help to shape yeah, other, other initiatives that you might do. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And tell me, in terms of, I'm keen to go back to the leadership piece because this often, you know, comes up, especially when you were, say, developing a wellbeing strategy. You know, when you were kind of going through that process, you know, who across the business did you have to consult with and, and you know, to get feedback on the strategy and what were some of the ways that you went about that? Yeah, definitely. So I report to a head of health, safety and wellbeing. So she was involved and then back up to our chief of people and transformation, Anna, so she was involved. And then, of course, our CEO also likes to have knowledge of what's going on and to have an input as well. Like even with the Pride initiative, I tried to get the marketing <laughs> team on board and get them to, you know, maybe change the logo to a rainbow background. But they told me it wasn't as easy as that. But, <laughs> but I thought it was just plant those seeds, plant those seeds. But it's got them talking about it. So, yeah, there's a lot of influencing to be done through the business to make those sort of things happen. But I think if you've got a team of people on the ground, like your workers that are involved and they want those things, then they have no choice but to really listen. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, as it sort of surrounds them, those messages, you know, that it becomes the norm. And yeah. I know the Mighty Teamsters are quite involved in the community and there's a lot of community work that goes on. Do you want to talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah. So they, Mighty Teen are one of the biggest sponsors of the New Zealander of the Year um, awards. So they're, yeah, very involved in, in the communities and doing good for their communities. I think as an example, just recently they did, um, they run a Helping Hands program. So you can nominate a cause or a charity or a school or whatever to have someone, a group of people from Mighty Team come in and do a piece of work. So the ones that won this year were Shine, who huge supporters of domestic violence. So for, for Shine, they had an old shed at the back of one of the places that um, women can go to for a refuge. And they turned that old shed into an amazing animal shelter so that the women who were leaving their homes for um, purposes of domestic violence were actually able to take their pets with them. So that's a massive thing because Shine was saying that a lot of women won't leave a, an abusive situation if they can't take the family pet with them. They just won't. They'll just rather stay in that awful situation. So now they've got a facility where women with pets they can bring their pets and they're going to be well looked after and it's all, yeah, and that was all through Mighty 10 will supply all the products and all the labour and do that all for them. That was really, that's re- it's really heartwarming stuff. <laughs> and then another one was a, a school for special needs kids who needed some ramps and things built. So, yeah, the crew from Mighty 10 went out and built them all some new ramps and things, accessible um, options for entry and to get around their school so they're able to, get around with their mobility issues. That must be such a positive thing to be involved in. I imagine everyone comes away feeling a, a good sense of, of well-being, literally. Yeah, but even the stores just do little things themselves. Like I give you Winton, a little store in the South Island. They have a community garden outside their store. So they provide the space and it's filled obviously with wonderful soil and they provide all the plants and the community just come in and look after the plants and they're happy they're welcome to take the produce and everything like that for it and it's just it's such a feel-good thing to see like the the veggies and things growing in the community and they're looking after them all and then obviously eating them and sharing them that's amazing I mean as you say it's such a feel-good story of how people kind of can connect over something like that and it's as you know a relatively easy thing to do and yet the power of that is is so much greater yeah yeah yeah. and what would you say to other people who are you know at the beginning of their well-being journey in their organizations what are some of the lessons or insights you've learned along the way there's so many things out there that are actually free that you can tap into and I think it took me a little while to learn that and learn what they were so for example there's a lot of business out businesses out there who'll come to your workplace for you and they will offer free hearing tests or free eyesight checks or even um chiropractic chiropractic spinal checks and things so if you get them out to your business they provide their services for free because obviously they'll get a little bit of flow on business you know from those checks but um, it's also, it makes your team um, and your people feel good because it's like, oh, they're actually looking after me. I can go and have this eyesight test or hearing test in my work time. I don't have to leave the office and it's, you know, it's super convenient. So th- I think those ones, you know, tap into those sort of things. And also the online resources. There's some amazing online resources out there. So they, one I discovered, I think, last year or the year before was the Health Protection Agency, which is not really a widely publicised one, but they have run a whole bunch of different campaigns. So in the summer months, we 
um, push, you know, sun smart and hydration because, you know, often our team members outside working in garden centres and things like that. So they've got a huge range of posters and stuff um, around sun smart and hydration. They ran a campaign called Dumburn. I don't know if you've seen them, but these really cool posters of people who have, you know, obviously worn a singlet or whatever and gone out in the sun and they've got this red sunburn marks and they've just say, you know, don't make it dumb burn and we have those posters we put them up because they're a bit of they're a bit of fun as well and just putting them up in the back of the bathroom door and things like that and they do the health protection agency will give they've got free recipe cards that you can get they gave us free aprons they gave us um those posters that you know, tell you how many teaspoons of sugar you're drinking in your average drinks all that sort of stuff there's just so many free resources from them available and the Mental Health Foundation is another great one for free resources and things as well, posters and, and helpful booklets for managers and people, leaders and things like that. Phenomenal amount of stuff on there, right down to being able to use some of their really cool um, slogans that they use for mental health. You can actually download them and use them as a computer screensaver, which is really cool. When we did that after COVID, we downloaded some of their slogans and had them each week we changed it to a different one you know it's okay not to be okay kind of slogan but as a screensaver so when you came into the office or you left your computer and locked your screen you came back and there was a nice mental health message or reminder there so yeah there's heaps of stuff out there and I think another one of my favorites would be a um, digital um, subscription to the Healthy Food Guide. They do a workplace wellbeing subscription and that's as little as around $16 per person per year yes per year (laughs) and you get a weekly email and they've got so much um, advice and stuff and it's all done by reputable people and professionals like Fair Turnbull is their um, nutritionalist and each week you get an email about a topical issue and that can be anything from exercise, sleep, mental health, fabulous stuff and they've got ideas for other wellbeing initiatives and challenges that you can run so that's probably one of my favourite and one of the easiest wellbeing initiatives that any business could actually tap into. Yeah, that's a, they're a great one. I don't know if um, Tim's on the call. I should have a look, but lovely Tim is in the network as well. <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing. And he'll come out to your business and run a lunch and learn session for you at no extra cost. Tim is amazing. Yeah, I love Tim. We do. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool and I love all the, the, the free resources and those things I think that is really critical you know when trying to get something off the ground often there isn't a big budget I think you know when um when probably three or four years ago when I went around to talk to lots of organizations around what they were doing at the time the average budget was seven thousand dollars for the year now that's probably changed maybe with COVID maybe not I don't know but you know mostly you're not dealing with a big pot of money to try and make not changes without having to put up a business case etc Exactly, yeah. And I think even with the posters and things like that, it means you you don't have to recreate these yourself. They're all there. Yeah, you just need to tap into it and print them off. Yeah. 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 And what about in terms of engaging people and influencing behaviour change? Are there some sort of insights or stories that you can share? I think just doing, just running fun things in the workplace and just having, you know, putting up a few decorations or like for us, a huge fun week is the Mental Health Awareness Week. And we just do quite, you know, quite simple things, but run something every day. But something that really gets good traction is we just pick a couple of healthy smoothie recipes and then whip up some smoothies in the lunchroom and leave, you know, the samples, you come and get a sample. The positivity that that sort of thing generates is just incredible. And it just, 
you know, start to chatter and, yeah, they start engaging in other wellbeing initiatives once you get them going. Yeah, fantastic. I did think I'd ask you about the video, the lovely video you did on LinkedIn of making this. I thought that was such a cool concept. Tell me about how that came about and what the response has been. Funnily enough, it was Wellbeing Wednesday, which I know this is, you know, the Wellbeing Wednesday that you guys run. So we thought we needed to get a bit more traction around wellbeing and get people to link things back to our Feel Well site where all the information and stuff was. So we thought, okay, well, let's run some run a trial of some videos and so one of the first ones I did was I chose one of the recipes from the healthy food guide which was these chocolate bliss balls that you don't have to cook or anything so I just we just did a a quick video in my kitchen at home and whizzed up these chocolate bliss balls and my one of my colleagues Andy just threw in some funny clips through the video like Wallace and Gromit with the blender and stuff like that and yeah it actually took off incredibly well (laughs) way better than what we thought it was going to and but I think the end result for us was you know generating that traffic back to our um, well-being site and it's absolutely done that so we've done after the chocolate bliss ball one we've done I did a vegetable frittata as another cooking one we've got someone at work who is a yoga instructor so she just did a quick uh, couple of yoga poses and took you through some breathing techniques um, we did one where we asked for daily rituals, what people do that brings them a little bit of joy each day, you know, makes them feel good. And we got people to post in the comments what they did and then just gave out some prizes for those that, you know, participated and shared. And it was just really simple stuff, like even from just that taking that moment with your coffee in the morning and just, you know, no no phones, no devices, just taking a moment for yourself, you know, walking your animals or just walking yourself (laughs) getting fresh air and things like that it was really really neat to see for people to share and yeah just it started that chatter again it was really really good thanks again for listening today it's been great to have you along if you're keen to join the revolutionaries of well-being head to row well-being that's r-o-w wellbeing.com and follow the links to sign up if you're in our community thanks again and we look forward to catching up with you really soon